Welcome to Dementia Dialogue and our second episode on biomarkers and the research conducted by Dr. Mari DeMarco and her colleagues known as Impact AD. Our previous episode discussed the use of amyloid beta peptide and tau as biomarkers for Alzheimer's disease and how biomarkers testing improves clinical management of the condition. In this episode, we talk with Anne Bill, who lives with Alzheimer's disease, and her daughter, Christy Weinsma, and Bushbu Patel, a research associate of Dr. DeMarco's. Anne and Christy were participants in the second arm of the IMPACT AD study that focused on why people agreed to participate in the study, what was their experience and responses to the test, and how they used the results. I spoke with Anne and Christy from Anne's home in Abbotsford, British Columbia, and Kushbu joined from Vancouver. I'd like to thank you again, uh, Christy and Anne and Kushbu, for joining in this interview on Dementia Dialogue to talk a little bit more about the impact AD study that you folks are involved with in one way or another. And in particular, what I think is the uh, unique uh, perspective that the uh, researchers had on looking at the experience of people with dementia and care partners and how they participated and responded to the study. I'm wondering whether Anne and Christy, if you might just introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about your experience and then how you became involved in the uh, impact study, directly or indirectly. Sure. Do you want me to start, Mel? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hi, my name is Christy. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, we are really excited to share our story um, of being involved in what I think is an amazing research study and a, an amazing opportunity for us as a family. Just briefly, uh, maybe I can just talk a little bit about what led us to get involved. So essentially, in 2019, our lives were uh, forever changed by the very sudden passing of my father, my mom's husband. You know, prior in the years prior to his passing, the family had some concerns around mom's health and in particular what we were noticing to be uh, some struggles around her short term memory. And so it would come up in conversation occasionally, but um, mostly if I could speak really honestly, it was avoided. We didn't really have much, you know, we didn't move beyond our concerns in any way. And dad did an amazing job of caring for mom. And in many ways, I think maybe minimizing some of her symptoms and just supporting her through her everyday life. And then when dad passed in April of 2019, it really compelled us to look for answers as to what was going on for mom and uh, with regards to some of the memory issues she was having a little bit of confusion and of course this was happening in the midst of of, of grief right grieving the really sudden loss of my dad at a, at a very young age my dad was only 67. So anyways, as the oldest child, I have one sister as well. Um, I kind of took it upon myself to get some clarity around mom's health issues. And I reached out to, well, first of all, I needed to move my mom closer to where we were living. Um, my mom was living at the time in a very large house on her own. And my sister and I were kind of taking turns being with mom after dad's passing. And so we moved her out to where I live, uh, which is about 45 minutes east uh, from where she was living in BC in Abbotsford. 
set her up in her own space. And then, you know, as everybody knows, is a real challenge of getting family doctors, was able to beg and plead with a local practitioner that she, he take my mom on. Uh, and he did. He's been an amazing GP for my mom. And then from there, uh, we were able to get in touch with the UBC Alzheimer's Clinic and just really get some support around you know, where do we go from here? We have these concerns. Um, does she need an assessment? I mean, we were really lost in that system and trying to navigate that system. Uh, and so eventually we ended up at, at UBC for a series of, uh, of uh, appointments. Um, I met with several doctors and did a number of assessments, memory tests, and eventually we became um, aware of this research that was was happening. And as a result of our involvement with UBC's Alzheimer's Clinic, we were invited to participate in this amazing research. And I'm wondering whether you might want to just add a little bit from your perspective. I'm very sorry to have heard about your husband's um, death and at, yes, at an early age, and it must've been quite a shock to you. I'm wondering though, if you might want to comment on on how you you know felt at that time or through the intervening period uh, leading up to the dementia clinic i kind of in myself denied that i was having memory issues and that but i knew in my heart that i was but with my husband being there you know we worked as a team so anything i forgot i just hey what what were we supposed to do and i you know uh but now that he has passed on, I realized it's pro it had probably been building up and mm -hmm. I hadn't noticed it because he was so supportive, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I just had to say one word and he would, you know, help me out and, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, I appreciated his help. Like when you get married, it's supposed to be forever, mm -hmm. right? And we were together forever for, mm -hmm. for his forever. But um, mm -hmm. it's been hard, but I've been blessed to, like I said, to have my two daughters. Uh, Christy lives in Abbotsford here where I live and my other daughter Jordana lives in Maple Ridge and that's not far either and they've been wonderful mm. and I don't think it's only because of the inheritance <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think they genuinely love and have concern for me and that's such a comfort and I've got wonderful grandchildren and they're they're at the age where you know a lot of people would you know say oh that's old, that's the old Grammy on the phone but they talk to me whenever and with texting now I'm I'm keeping up with the texting you know and I just add something to what mom was saying because um I, I just want to to tell a little bit about my mom in in that my mom was a registered nurse for many many years and so it was difficult because essentially the symptoms um that we were noticing really um started happening in the in the last year or so of her nursing career she was client care coordinator where she would actually arrange home care for seniors and her plan was to retire from nursing and then go back and work casually but some of these symptoms really yeah it just it wasn't going to work it became very obvious that mom was having a really hard time navigating the new technology but I just want to yeah just mention that mom for many many years her entire life gave to people as a helper and so it's it's kind of come full circle for mom in terms of having to access the same supports that she was making available to to her patients and 
Yeah, and I found myself in that caregiver role very quickly and very immediately after the passing of my dad, right? And so for me as her caregiver and as somebody who was going to be arranging the support and care that she needed, I needed clarity. My sister needed clarity. Um, we we just, in terms of moving forward, what kind of supports is mom going to need? What's this going to look like, you know, one year from now, five years from now? And so for us to get some clarity around what was going on for mom, right, which included, you know, then being able to make this diagnosis, it really has allowed us to, yeah, it was, it, it's difficult to know this information. However, I think uh, I'll just speak on from my perspective, it just gives me a sense of peace knowing, okay, this is what we're dealing with. These are the supports we can access. These are the resources that we can access. And this is what we're dealing with. And I know that that's not going to be everybody's journey, right? Um, it's scary, right? To know this information. It, it really compels you to have to act on the information as opposed to maybe be in denial or maybe avoid or, you know, because it's uncomfortable to learn this information. But for us, there was a sense of, almost for me anyways, um, and I think for you too, Mom, I remember you saying this after you learn the information, there was this kind of settling into, okay, we we already kind of intuitively knew that this is what we were dealing with, but to have a more definitive answer around what it was that we were experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis with mom and some of the experiences she was having and lift some of the challenges, it really allowed us to, to settle into that, right? And then, and to then go through the process of grieving, right? And in many ways, we were grieving the loss of two parents, my my dad very unexpectedly, and then, you know, my mom, right? In terms of, you know, the grief of, of, of the mom that I knew growing up, right? And then I knew that it was going to, it was going to impact our relationship in terms of, I was going to need to support her, right? And I'm quite happy to take on that role. Mom has always been an awesome mom growing up. And now it's my role to to kind of ensure and my sisters, yeah, basically. yeah, and my sister as well, right? So, yeah, so a sense of peace, um, just probably you know solidifying what we probably already intuitively knew was the case, and then being able to process that those feelings and that grief, not knowing, knowing, and then naming, are you know different stages of of the process and. Uh, not knowing can bring its own anxiety because you don't know what's going to maybe happen next. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's no denying yeah. that the diagnosis. That is that, yeah. That resonates what you just say, naming it, right. Allowed us to then face it and then, um, you know, go through the process of grieving and figuring out what we all individually needed in terms of making sense of that new information. And did you, how did you feel about the diagnosis itself and that idea of knowing what was happening to you and, and how you responded to that? Well, at first I was kind of shocked, but I thought it's just like older people who have more memory loss, but I wasn't that old. So mm -hmm. I, to me at that time, old was 75 and up, right? <laughs> Yeah. But I, I just took it as it came and, okay, this is my plight. Okay, I'm going to deal with it. And, you know, I just take it day by day, basically. Yeah. Well, that was the other piece of it, right, is mom was so young, right? And when we were seeing this in her mid-60s, maybe even before that, 
right? And so I think she was 67 when she was officially diagnosed. That's incredibly young, right? And, you know, mom just celebrated her 70th birthday in November, right? Um, we can talk a little bit about what life's like after, but um, now, but yeah, to receive an Alzheimer's diagnosis at, you know, 67 years old, right? That's hard, right? That's that's not how life was supposed to happen. Unfold. Right? No, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. One of the challenges when people are diagnosed is that they, there's two options. One is to feel worse or to feel more disabled. The other is to say, well, this is, these are the cards I've been dealt and I need to move on with life to the extent that I'm able to do it. My sense, Anne, is that it's really the, the you kind of pick the second option, that the, these are the cards that I've been dealt and uh, I just need to get on with it. Exactly, you know, and knowing that there are supports out there, you know, other than family, like this home where I live, it's it's wonderful, you know, and uh, and they're used to people like me, and uh, you know, and yeah, we just work on it together. I'm wondering if we could go back to the study for a moment, and uh, if you could talk a little bit about your experience in the study itself. And particularly, I wanted to focus on the experience of the testing, you know, of the testing that was both, I'll describe it as paper and pencil testing, but also then the testing that was related to the lumbar puncture and the uh, extraction of the uh, cerebrospinal fluid that led to the identification of these biomarkers, uh, amyloid beta and tau. Uh, how is that? kind of experience for you folks? Well, I'll, I'll probably, you know, be very candid in saying mom probably has very little recollection of, of those assessments, just given the nature of, of, okay. of her. It was a few years ago. Well, it was. And then I also want to just remind you that like my recollection um, of it is also very, very fuzzy um, because that was a really difficult time for our family. So I remember very much just being in a, in a fog um, and going, okay, we've got this appointment. I was able to physically get my mom to these appointments, but um, I do recall, um, yeah, there, like you said, there being a series of kind of paper and pen tasks where she would have to recall memory related uh, tests um, and that was really difficult for mom and I think at that point there was you know some I think the people who were involved in those assessments knew where this was kind of going um, as a result of, of those um, initial assessments and then the lumbar puncture um, my recollection of that day is I went with my sister my younger sister Jordana and we both took mom there and uh, I remember just it being fairly straightforward. Mom, I remember you, mom, being very calm that day. She wasn't fearful. And I think that speaks to some of the folks that they have working at the clinic. Um, they do a really good job of preparing their patients for what is to come and what can be expected. And so my recollection is they did a really good job of kind of explaining everything that we needed to know in order to make an informed choice around our participation in the procedure. And so I just remember it being a 
a fairly calm day and we may have gone out for lunch afterwards. I can't actually remember. Mom paid. She, she probably paid. Mom, paid. <laughs> Mom probably took us out for something <laughs> to eat afterwards. So after the uh, data was gathered from all of these tests, a report is assembled and is in the hands of a physician. Now, in your case, there was a physician at UBC that reported the results to you. Is that correct? Well, it was the neurologist. Yeah, it was the, the neurologist that, um, and and also keep in mind that this was also like, we, I believe it was like, uh, we got a phone call. Uh, I think an exception was made just because we live so far away. Um, and so I remember having a conversation with Dr. Fennell and uh, who is the neurologist uh, associated with the UBC Alzheimer's Clinic. And he was the one to review the results, give us the news that yes, or, you know, to confirm our suspicions that this is what we're dealing with and that the results of the lumbar puncture and the analysis of the spinal fluid just indicated that this is what we're, this is what it was, right? It was Alzheimer's and that they could more definitively offer us that diagnosis than they had been able to in the past, or it was more subjective and really based on these kind of assessments, right? But this would be a more definitive way that they would be able to provide this information to us that this was what mom was dealing with. It was indeed Alzheimer's. If I can jump in here, David, um, um, I will say also that our study took place during COVID, unfortunately. So I think that also complicated things for the right. physicians um, in terms of relaying some of these results to the patients. But I think they did a fantastic job of doing that. And then patients gave us lots of feedback that we were able to work with. So they really wanted information about the biomarkers. So not only did we develop some guides to explain these biomarkers in terms that they would understand better, um, you know, get rid of all the scientific jargon and maybe just break mm -hmm. it down into what it really was. And when these results were um, disclosed by the physicians, if patients were in for a clinic visit, they could take home a little explanation of what exactly their results meant. It was in lay terms. Um, and then we also developed a general guide about the biomarkers that was available on our website. It was also mailed out to patients. So really we've been able to break down biomarkers. Our patients are able to understand exactly what, um, you know, they're being tested for. Mm -hmm. Christy, in our earlier conversation, you had mentioned being connected to the first link program at some point in, you know, this kind of period that we're talking about post-diagnosis. I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more, how that happened and what were the benefits of that connection? Yeah, well, I, I and I actually don't recall reaching out to them specifically. I'm, I'm sure we were referred as a result of our participation in the research and also with the, uh, the Alzheimer's clinic that our name was passed on. And so this has been an amazing service for me in terms of just receiving a phone call every couple of months, checking in, how are things going? Are you aware of the supports in your community? We've got a support group or we've got an upcoming training or there's this resource or this program. And so my understanding is all volunteer run. And so you, yeah, you get a phone call, um, just checking in, how are things going? What do you need? And, and just in terms of providing some emotional support as well, right? Anne now lives a full and satisfying life in an assisted living residence 
Hallmark on the Park in Abbotsford near her two daughters. Hallmark is operated by Baptist Housing Seniors Living. What's life like for you oh. <laughs> in assisted living? Oh, it's it's wonderful. Like they're so good here. And like I said, you can participate as much as or as little as you want. There's no pressure. I enjoy going down for the meals because you sit with the same people. And well, you hear the old same stories 10 times in a row, but that's okay. <laughs> someday I'll be repeating some of this. <laughs> Maybe I do a reading, I don't know. Well, it's wonderful here here it's wonderful and you just have to you don't even have to snap your fingers and they got you what you want right so i recommend it to anybody and uh and it's done you can tell with genuine genuine care and love mm. yeah i really uh get a sense uh, and that you've got insight into your situation and you've got uh the strength to face it yeah. and i think those are two huge qualities that enable people to, you know, to live the best life that is available to them. Okay, take it a day at a time and what tomorrow brings we deal with and we go from there, right? Kushbu, I'm wondering whether you might be able to comment on the experience as you understand it of some of the other participants in this study in terms of their motivations for uh, stepping forward in the first place, and then secondly, how they receive the information and use the information in their lives. Yeah, and I think Christy has done such a great job of almost speaking for all of our patients, almost like she read our results. Um, <laughs> but like she said, the biggest motivation was that that strong need for a diagnosis to really understand what was going on. There's so many people who have mentioned that they've been struggling uh, with symptoms for so many years and this test and the results really gave them that answer, that clarity, that certainty. If I was to put up a word cloud, it would be exactly those words, you know, putting a definitive label to it and then moving forward with knowing what they have now and not just from the patient perspective but also from the care partner perspective it was pretty much the same thing they really wanted that clarity and then another big reason to do that was also getting that information to plan ahead um, so now that they know what they had making decisions for the future was a lot easier give them that relief so it was all really tied together to just getting to know what it was and then uh, for your for the other part of your question in terms of what how they use the test results, again, tied up to why they were doing the test in the first place, why they agreed to do it. We did ask them, how did you feel in general after you learned the test results? And they mentioned that, again, like as Anne mentioned, there's that initial feeling of shock. But once it settles in, it's a lot of relief, a lot of reassurance. Um, and then now that they have that information, knowing how to move forward with it. So they, we asked them questions about in terms of how, what kind of decisions did you make with that information? And some of the decisions they made were to do with their wellness and lifestyle. So um, we had over 80% of our patients making changes to their um, exercise routines, uh, making changes to their diet, 
um, or adding more cognitively stimulating activities to their daily life. So those were some of the big um, wellness changes that they made to their lives. And then the other part of it was future planning and a lot had to do with financial planning, um, both for patients and care partners. And uh, we had a lot of uh, patient care partner um, dyads who were telling us that it was really important to have that early information, that early diagnosis, uh, because it helped both of them be involved in that decision making versus having the care partner having to do all of it on their own. So again, that test really helped them with the early planning aspect of it. And we found that patients and care partners were really motivated to get um, everything sorted early. Whereas um, people think that people don't want to plan early. Uh, these patients are really, really motivated to get that done. And that's something we've noticed. And so we've also seen that uh, caregivers and patients really want resources to help them navigate that sort of planning, that decision-making, and then they really want information around it. Just on that last point then, Kushbu, how have you provided that kind of information to a study participants, or not necessarily the study participants only, but folks that are subsequently making use of your diagnostic service? How, how do you help people get that information? around exercise, for example, or diet, or financial planning, or uh, housing? Yeah, so unfortunately, because this was an observational study, we we weren't able to directly um, connect them with anything. But again, through amazing um, services through the Alzheimer's Society, they're really able to get that. So the one thing we did do with the feedback we got in terms of them wanting the resources, again, uh, just referring you back to those guides, we did develop uh, a guide that had all these brain health resources in British Columbia, because again, all of our patients didn't necessarily only have Alzheimer's disease. They had, they could have had other forms of dementia, and we wanted to connect them to the right resource for that. So again, our brain health resource guide has information from the Alzheimer's Society, the Parkinson's Society, just a number of different um, agencies that know what they're doing that, that really, because we might not be in the right position to do that, but they really know what to do. So one of the things we did do was that, and then we're also hoping that from the results of these studies and really disseminating them to physicians um, who are obviously these patients' first point of contact um, to anything, they're the ones from whom they're getting their test results. We're hoping that they're able to really get that information from their physicians as well, just right from the get-go. Yeah, and these systems are super hard to navigate and they're really overwhelming. And again, when you're trying to process these really difficult emotions, sadness, grief, loss, and then simultaneously trying to navigate systems and resources and where do I go, right? It takes a lot of, you know, you need organizations like these to really support you and lift you up during those times and provide those answers, right? Provide those resources and programs to support you. I'm wondering whether you've got any final comments for our listeners, uh, perhaps people such as yourself or your mom's situation, and if you've got any thoughts to provide to a person with a potential uh, dementia that uh, you'd like to leave them with? Well, I can, I can start unless you want to say something. First. I just wanted to say that I've realized that there's nothing I did to bring this mm -hmm. on. 
So I don't have to have a guilt complex about, you know, the added care I need. Maybe, you know, in some cases it's a financial situation for families, but it's nothing I did, nothing my daughters did, nothing this facility did. So we have to learn to live with it. And sometimes that takes quite a while, but be open to to help and accept help. And because, you know, who knows, every somebody will need it someday, right? So it's all good to me. <laughs> yeah. Christy? Yeah, I would just add to that, like, you know, obviously this is our family stories, a uh, story and um, everybody's journey is going to look a little different. And I certainly understand, I completely understand avoidance and not wanting to deal with things. I get it. I absolutely get it. You know, our story is that um, when we sought support and when we were given the opportunity to get clarity on what it was that we were dealing with. It came with peace, um, uh, a better capacity to be able to support mom, uh, to access resources, to, you know, to, to process our own feelings around um, mom's health and, and what she was experiencing. And so I would just encourage everybody who's on this path um, of either you know, you, you yourself dealing with the symptoms and some of the challenges that come with that or your caregivers, your loved ones, your spouse, your partner, right? That there is, you know, that there are now, there are now options for you to get clarity on what you probably intuitively know is going on for you. And, and that I'm hopeful that that will give people a, um, yeah, a sense of, of, of security and hope for the future, right? Thank you very much, Anne and Christy, for uh, your contribution. And Kushbu, of course, uh, thank you for the excellent work that uh, you and Dr. DeMarco and your colleagues are doing. Thanks to Anne and Christy for sharing some of their story with us, and to Kushbu for outlining some of the experiences of other participants. I am sure that many listeners can identify with Anne and Christy and their search for a diagnosis and subsequently making adjustments in their lives once the diagnosis was confirmed. I encourage you to go to the study website www.impact.org to find out more about the study and biomarkers. Our show note has a link to a great presentation by Dr. DeMarco describing biomarkers. There are guides for both clinicians and people considering a test including how a lumbar puncture procedure is performed. Regarding accessibility, testing is available to anyone in Canada who is experiencing symptoms of the disease. Based on an order from a physician specializing in dementia care, a person would have the fluid sample collected at a local medical facility, and the sample is then sent to the National Alzheimer's Biomarker Testing Program located at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver for analysis. Results are then sent back to the ordering physician who would discuss them with the patient. We appreciate the support of Roche Canada, our sponsor for these episodes on biomarkers. Roche is a global pioneer in pharmaceuticals and diagnostics focused on advancing science to improve people's lives. Roche is committed to the development of better, more accessible diagnostics 
and holistic healthcare solutions targeting the key pathways implicated in Alzheimer's disease. Roche shares in the excitement and the hope for continued progress for people living with Alzheimer's disease, as well as their caregivers, families, and communities. Thanks also to the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. We can deliver our episodes to your inbox if you write to us at dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca. Previous episodes can be found at www.dementiadialogue.ca. Please follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. My name is David Harvey.